Welcome to the City Church Cardiff podcast. We're an Elim Pentecostal church in the center of Cardiff dedicated to bringing hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired and impacted by this message. Well, it is great to be with you this morning. Great to see so many faces and great that you are tuning in online as well. I'm going to be bringing our first message in our Christmas sermon series. You know, this year has been probably one of the hardest and the strangest for most of us, hasn't it? This has been a tough year all round. For a lot of us, we just haven't known what to expect week in, week out. With changing lockdowns, with increasing infection rates, with the developing understanding of this horrible virus, we've just not known what to expect. We haven't known when we can expect to see our family and our friends, and we haven't known when we can expect to return to any sort of normality. And now we're in December, heading towards Christmas, and for most of us, we don't really know what to expect at Christmas time. Maybe for you, you just want to get through Christmas as quickly as possible so that you can see the back of 2020. Or maybe you're hoping that Christmas is going to bring some cheer and happiness that is really needed in this year. So here's my question for you this morning. What are you expecting this Christmas? What are you expecting this Christmas? Are you expecting celebration and fun? Are you expecting to spend time with loved ones? Are you expecting to maybe keep it simple this year? Are you expecting to get a great present? Are you expecting to wake up excited about what the day might bring? Or are you expecting to wake up with a sense of sadness at what might have been this Christmas had it been any different? Maybe you're expecting the wave of grief that might wash over you as you spot the empty place at the dinner table this year. Are you expecting to feel stressed by the end of the day, worn out at all that Christmas Day has involved? Or are you expecting to start feeling that sense of slight dread as you look towards the debt that you're going to face in January because maybe you've spent that bit too much on trying to keep everybody happy? Are you expecting the same old kind of Christmas that you had last year, or are you expecting anything different? Well, we're now in a time of Advent, which for Christians is a time of anticipation where we look forward to the celebration of the birth of Jesus. Um, We prepare ourselves, we prepare our hearts for our coming saviour, And of course, Christmas is the time when we remember the birth of Jesus. For hundreds of years, God told his people to expect the Messiah, to expect the coming King. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This prophecy was from around 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And it was God foretelling, it was the foretelling of God telling his people to expect the Messiah, to expect their Savior, to expect Jesus. Do you know, I've often heard people say, well, if this God is real, why doesn't he show himself? Well, he has. He has revealed himself in the person of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus came to earth and he came to live amongst us. He came to make his dwelling amongst us. And then he grew up and he died for us and he took on all of our sin and he was resurrected from the dead. So this Messiah, this savior was expected. And then 2000 years ago, an angel appeared to a young woman and told her that she was going to be expecting. 
that she was in fact going to be expecting a baby, even though she was not married and she was a virgin. She was going to conceive and she was going to give birth. And she was to expect the Messiah. She was going to be carrying the Son of God. She was going to give birth to a son and she was to call him Jesus. So she was going to be expecting this saviour that God had told the people to wait for, that God had told the people to expect. This time around four years ago, Dominic and I were expecting our first baby, and we did the usual things in preparation for a baby. We cleared out our spare room and got it painted. We went to antenatal classes. We chatted to friends that we knew who had already had babies for their hints and tips. One thing that we learned during that time was there is nothing that quite prepares you for your first baby. But we were told to expect change, to expect messy and glorious and tiring and wonderful change. Do you expect anything to change this Christmas? Do you expect anything different this Christmas? Christmas is our reminder that Jesus changes everything Everything changed from the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there are two most significant events in the um, life of the church that we celebrate. Christmas, when Jesus was born, and Easter, when he died and rose again. These aren't just bank holidays. These aren't just time off work for us. These are the two most significant events in the history of the whole world. So it's good news, isn't it? It's pretty wonderful news that at Christmas we can expect a little bit more than turkey and cranberry and Christmas films. And I want to turn to Luke 2 now, Luke chapter 2, where we're going to read the account of the shepherds who had a pretty unexpected night, the night that Jesus was born. So we're going to read from Luke 2, starting from verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, wrapped in cloths, and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, this account of the shepherds in the story of the birth of Jesus shows us three things that we can expect this Christmas. The first is that we can expect joy. We can expect joy. Luke 2.10 says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. You know, joy is so much more powerful than we often think. Sometimes we reduce joy to our concept of happiness, and we think that it's dependent on what's going on around us, our our circumstances, things that are happening to us or around us. And we're, we're just passive in waiting to see whether we might experience this joy, this great emotion. Or sometimes we think that it's a personality trait, 
So some people are just naturally more joyful than others. But joy is, in fact, much deeper than that. Joy transcends all situations and all circumstances. Joy means that we can take delight in God, that regardless of what is going on around us, we can have a gladness in God and who he is and what he's done for us. Jesus is the greatest joy that anyone can ever experience. You know, at Christmas time, we sing, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And we sing that because being in a relationship with Jesus is the most incredible joy that we can experience. It's the joy of knowing that we're not alone, but we're included. We're not forsaken, but we're forgiven. We're not hopeless, we're hopeful. We're chosen and we're loved and we're forgiven. We're cherished and we're loved by God. You know, Christians should grow in joy. We should grow, we should increase in our joy. Often when we first come into a relationship with Jesus, when we make that first commitment, no matter when that is in our lives, it's filled with joy and love, this incredible sense of joy of coming into a relationship with Jesus. But all too often, what I've seen in people is that the joy kind of fizzles a little bit. It dampens a bit because life gets in the way. Difficult things happen and, and the joy in somebody, they once experienced this wonderful joy can reduce that little bit and that little bit and that little bit. It's not that they're not walking with the Lord anymore. It's not that they're not in a relationship with God. It's just that they've lost their joy. But that shouldn't be the case for Christians because the Bible tells us to rejoice always. The Bible tells us that one of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And it's a sign of God working in us and through us that we're close to God because we're experiencing his joy. It's a demonstration of God working in our lives when we're demonstrating that joy. Now, if there's ever been a year that could have robbed us of our joy, it's this year, isn't it? 2020 has been rough. And so if there was ever a time when we had to wrestle for our joy, it's this year. Many of you know that I lost my mum this year in May, and it was completely unexpected. She went to be with Jesus at the end of May. And death is hard. That's the truth. Death is hard. And death is particularly hard in a year of a pandemic when the usual ways of grieving aren't possible and aren't available to us. So it made things extra hard. And I'll be honest, there were times after she died when I wondered, how am I going to experience joy when the grief is so heavy? How is it possible to experience this joy that I know the truth about when the grief feels so heavy? But you know what? I believe and I have experienced this year knowing God's joy even amidst grief. Knowing God's joy even amidst the darkest and hardest times in life. This is possible because of God. And sometimes we might wonder, you know, how is it that we can keep our joy amidst trials? How is it that we can ensure that our joy doesn't diminish even in hard times? And let me tell you, this is the answer that I've experienced this year, is going to the source. When we go to the source of joy, when we go to God, who is the author of all joy, we can experience joy even in the darkest moments, even in the hardest times, even in the most challenging of circumstances. Remember, this is the God who gives good gifts to his children. This is the author of joy who gives gigantic love to us. His love is unending for us. And so we can experience his joy. And this is the joy that was announced to the shepherds on a hillside near Bethlehem. 
in the middle of that night. Jesus has come. It is good news, is what they were told. And this world today really needs that joy of the Lord. There are people who are longing to experience some sort of joy, and it's available in God. You know, we should be experiencing the kind of joy that affects atmospheres. We, could be, we should be experiencing the kind of joy that influences wherever we are. We should be experiencing the kind of joy that is infectious to people when we come into contact with them, that bubbles out from us when we're in relationship with them. God brings us a joy that is not overcome by circumstances, but instead overcomes our circumstances. Amidst fear and suffering and challenge and hardship, Christmas reminds us that God broke in. It's the greatest news. God broke in. We're not just left in our suffering. We're not just left to deal with the consequences. We're not just left on our own because the Messiah, the Holy One, is here. So Christmas means that we can expect joy, and Christmas means that we can expect presence. What's the worst Christmas present that you've ever got? What's the worst thing that you ever received? I'm going to tell you mine. I once got a flashing red Rudolph nose in a secret Santa. True story. actually got that as a present. Everybody else got books and nice things for their garden and scarves and lovely presents, and I got a flashing red Rudolph nose. If you don't know what a secret Santa is, it's an anonymous gift-giving normally uh, in a workplace or uh, sometimes amongst families. And just so you know, I'm not just like referring to last Christmas and Stephen Gibson kind of gave me a rubbish present. This was years ago, so don't worry, it wasn't here at all. It's not sort of, you know, airing our dirty laundry amongst the team. This team gave brilliant presents, yeah. absolutely amazing presents. <laughs> I got a flashing red Rudolph nose. Now, to be fair, the colleague who gave me this present did immediately apologize as soon as I opened it and said, I'm so sorry, I thought we did silly presents and everybody else had lovely presents. <laughs> I wondered why he'd been looking really uncomfortable when other people were opening their kind of luxury hot chocolate sets and uh, cookbooks and things like that. But of course, you know as I'm talking that I'm not talking about these kind of presents, am I? I'm talking about the presence of God. I'm talking about God's presence in us and with us. Luke 2, 11 to 12 says, Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then skipping over to verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. The shepherds are not only told about the birth of Jesus, they're directed to where he is. They're told how to find him. God with us, not distant, not hiding himself, not leaving us to figure it all out by ourselves. God making his dwelling amongst us. God drawing close to us and identifying with us. God who doesn't just hide himself, but who helps us to come into his presence. You know, God longs for us to hunger after his presence. God longs for us to hurry towards him, to hurry into his presence. Verse 15 and 16, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. So they hurried off and found the baby. Do we hurry into God's presence? Do we hurry towards God? Do we move where he is moving? Do you know, it's easy to get comfortable, isn't it? 
It's easy to long after comfort, in fact, to want to have some sort of comfort. But you know, we can be as full of the Holy Spirit as we want. We can have as much of God as we want. There is always more of God, and, and he wants to give his Holy Spirit in abundance to us. Have you ever had that moment where you sat on the sofa, and you've just got yourself comfortable? Maybe you've got some cozy socks on, got your feet up, you started a good film, and then you think, oh, you know what would be nice is a snack, but you've got comfortable. So then you're stuck. Do I go to the kitchen, get up out of my comfy spot, or do I stay where I am and not have a snack? I've got a tip for you this morning. If you are watching that film with somebody else, turn to them and say, oh, you know what would be nice? Cheese and crackers. We've got some of those crackers that you like. Oh, it would be really nice. So, do you know that really nice cheese that we recently got? We could have some of that on those crackers that you like. And then when they say, oh, that does sound nice, say, oh, thanks. Well, the cheese is on the second shelf in the fridge. <laughs> now, listen, don't misuse this tip because people get wise to it. So in our house, this tip has now been countered, the counter strategy from Dominic, which is, oh, but you make it so much nicer than I do. Don't you worry, I am thinking of a counter to that counter strategy as we speak. <laughs> Sometimes we might say, I am so hungry for God. But then we're not sure whether we want to get out of our comfort zone. Sometimes we might think, I really am hungry after God, but does it actually mean I'm going to have to step out and do something different? Does it mean that I'm going to have to move? Does it mean that I'm going to have to disrupt something all too often, we have a bit of a wrestle, don't we, between our hunger and our comfort. Well, the measure with which we hunger for God is the measure with which the Holy Spirit will come to live within us. Let's not get so full of everything else this Christmas that we don't make room for God. Let's not get so full of all of the things that Christmas can bring that we don't leave room for being filled with the Holy Spirit. So the shepherds, in our account here, hurry to look for Jesus. And they find him. They get to see the baby who is the Messiah. Isn't it amazing that we too get to encounter Jesus? What an awesome privilege it is that we get to encounter Jesus. But it doesn't just stop there. At the end of the Gospel of Matthew, in the very last chapter, in the very last verse, Matthew 28, 20, Jesus is recorded as saying, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The promise of God's presence is continuous. The promise of God's presence is for always, for every situation, for every circumstance. We don't have to face life difficulties on our own. We don't have to be alone. God's presence can be with us all of the time in everything that we're facing. It's great news. It means we don't have to have the answers to everything. We can rely on Jesus who is with us. Every day and in every part of our lives, we can experience God with us. God is, doesn't just want to be a, an acquaintance to us, you know. God wants to be close to us. God wants his very presence living within us. And we can expect God's presence in and with us in every part of our lives, in every season and in every circumstance. So we can expect joy. We can expect presence. And we can expect transformation. For the shepherds, the night that is described in Luke chapter 2 is extraordinary. Definitely not your standard night of shepherding. But the night started like any other. 
There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, here's the image that a lot of us have at this point. Some cute lambs and some kind shepherds with tea towels on their head. Uh, Like a nativity scene, it looks really sweet and lovely. But Luke's gospel tells us that these shepherds were living out in the fields. They were watching their sheep and protecting them against predators, against wild animals, against thieves. You know, at that time, shepherds were low on the social ladder. They had a, a pretty low status in society. They had a reputation of being rough. And the religious leaders of the time, they looked down upon them, giving them the reputation of being untrustworthy. In fact, um, they weren't actually able to give testimony in the law courts. And these shepherds were living outside of the town, keeping themselves to themselves. They were separated out from the rest of the people in the fields. And then God shows up. And then the angel comes to announce the birth of the Savior, not to the most educated, not to the most powerful, not to the richest, but to the shepherds. This is when everything changes. This is when everything changes. These shepherds have been included in Scripture as being worthy of receiving the announcement of the birth of Jesus. God could have chosen anyone, anywhere, but he chose the shepherds. In that act, God reframed the identity of those shepherds. These people who were looked down upon were given worth. These people who were outcasts were included. These people who were called low were lifted up. But it doesn't just stop there. Verse 17 to 18 says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. These were people whose testimonies weren't even allowed in court. People who were separated out from everybody else. But because of this event, the shepherds went around telling people about the great news, telling people about the birth of Jesus. And everyone who heard was amazed With God, the voiceless are given a voice. God is in the business of transformation. This story of the shepherds shows us that God sees us. Wherever we are, whoever we are, whatever people have said about us, whatever our circumstances are, God has a plan for us. God sees you and sees me. These events that we're talking about are world-changing When God came as a baby, the whole world changed, and that should change our world too. Jesus being born into the world isn't just something that we can smile about as we sing Christmas carols or or an image that we put on a Christmas card and send and then forget about. It's so earth-shattering and so world-changing that it demands a response. When we accept Jesus, when we commit our lives to following him, everything changes. God wants to be involved in every part of our lives. Our hearts are changed. Our actions change. Our outlook changes. Everything changes with Jesus. Do you know, I remember before I was a Christian, I thought that when people became Christians, they became clones. They became clones of everybody else, and it sounded really dull to a very expressive teenager, I can tell you. But when I got to know Jesus, I realized that he brings freedom. That coming into a relationship with him doesn't mean that you become a clone. It means that you become who you are meant to be, who you are created to be. You know, we're created in the image of God. And so when we come into a relationship with Jesus, he makes us to be us, who we were always meant to be. We're made in the image of God for relationship with God. That's our purpose, to love God and to worship him and to be in relationship with him. And he transforms us 
into our real selves. He transforms us into his likeness. We're image bearers. We bear the image of God, and so we're, desi- we're designed to reflect him. Do you know, at Christmas, we love a good transformation story, don't we? You know, Christmas Carol is one of my favorites. A miserable, miserly character uh, becomes kind and good. I quite like the Grinch as well, a miserable, miserly character. Because, oh, you kind of get the message. It probably plays out pretty similarly, doesn't it? But the hope that Jesus brings is a real, deep, lasting transformation. God wants to change us all from the inside out. And Jesus shows that his power can change our hearts, can change our outlook, can change our circumstances, can change our future with him. This Christmas, we can look to our world-changing, life-transforming, hope-bringing God and expect transformation. This Christmas is going to be unlike any other for most of us. But even though this year might have brought mourning or loneliness or struggle or difficulty, we can look to God and we can expect joy. We can expect presence and we can expect transformation. Do you know, my prayer for us, church, is that this Christmas we would encounter afresh the good news of Jesus that brings joy, that we would experience God's presence with us afresh, and that we'd be open to the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in us and in those around us. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. To find out more, visit our website at citychurchcardiff.com or find us on social media.